0: Hello you are listening to the Rude Health podcast with me Hayley Food Ninja where I aim to bring you all the latest tools tips and strategies to help you create your own version of healthy without a kale smoothie in sight. Enjoy the episode. Today I'm going to be talking about something which is super super important. I'm going to talk about brain health I have been geeking out quite a lot lately on brain health, which is different to mental health. So brain health, I'm talking about actually how can you have a physiologically healthy brain? How can you make your brain healthier and reduce your risk of getting brain-related conditions like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and all that kind of stuff? So what a lot of people don't realize is actually a lot of the ions and chemicals that keep our brains healthy, they are produced in our gut. So we have what we call the gut brain axis. It's called the vagus nerve, which runs directly from our brain into our gut. So we have this direct connection between our gut and our brain. So the healthiness of your gut flora <clears> or <throat> the microbes that live in your gut all the bacteria and stuff is super super important for brain health they're very much connected right so for instance when the bacteria in your gut when you get a good bacteria in your butt but they act in your butt <laughs> i don't know what kind of bacteria you have in your butt If you have bacteria in your butt, you really ought to get it checked out. I'm not a medical doctor. That's not what I'm talking about today. I'm talking about bacteria in your gut, not your butt. So there's good bacteria, bad bacteria. But that bacteria creates compounds which travel from the gut to the brain. For instance, the bacteria in your gut actually produces serotonin. So serotonin is commonly called the happy hormone, right? So the production of serotonin begins in your gut. So imagine that for one minute, right? If you're eating loads of shit and you're affecting all the gut flora, so there's a lot of bad bacteria and stuff going on, you're actually affecting your happiness, because you're affecting the production of that compound serotonin, right? Acetylcholine is another compound that is produced by your gut bacteria. And that also travels to the brain and that is responsible for learning and memory. We also have short chain fatty acids that are produced by these bacteria and they're responsible for inflammation. And then dopamine, which also a lot of you have probably heard of before. So that is produced by your gut bacteria and it is responsible for regulated movement. So when there's dysfunction with dopamine, that generally presents itself as Parkinson's, Alzheimer's and also depression as well. So the food you eat and the state of your gut bacteria is actually responsible for how healthy and happy your brain is, which is a bit fucking mind blowing, right? Next time you're munching on stuff that you know is not good for your gut bacteria, think about you are actually affecting your happiness. You're affecting your likelihood of developing some stuff in later life, like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. You're affecting your likelihood of, of developing depression. This is a subject that's really close to my heart, right? Because I have suffered with some mental health conditions and I It's probably a bit more open than I want to be, but I'm just going to go with it now, right? Because I've started it and it will just be stupid if I just stop halfway through. So I was diagnosed with some mental health conditions and I was medicated for quite a, a long period of time which they're horrible, if you've ever had medication, which affects your brain chemicals, right, it's fucking horrible It changes your personality. It makes you into a different person. I decided that I wanted to find out if there was another way of affecting these brain chemicals so that you don't have to take medication. And I basically stopped taking medication. And I'm not suggesting for one minute, if anyone's got any serious mental health conditions, they should stop taking their medication because you shouldn't. But I basically changed my diet and it severely reduced my symptoms to the point where I didn't need to take medication anyway. So that's why it's a subject quite close to my heart and why I can hand on heart, say, anecdotally, I know that this stuff works because I've had first hand experience of it. But it is mind blowing to think that what you're eating could be making you depressed, which is actually quite scary. So when I was doing my research around this, there were a few studies in particular that were really interesting. So there was something called the SMILES trial, which was in Australia. And they had 67 participants over 12 weeks. They were all diagnosed as clinically depressed and they all had clinically defined poor diet. So they were not eating much whole foods. They were drinking alcohol to a point, some of them, lots of fatty, salty, sugary foods, that kind of thing. So they put them into two groups, a group that didn't really have any intervention and one that had a dietary change and also some clinical support as well. And the group that were treated with the dietary intervention, they actually reduced the severity of their anxiety symptoms and a very low percentage of the people in that group actually relapsed back into depression. So the people who kept up with that dietary intervention, they actually cured their own depression, basically. So that was the one trial. And there's another trial that was a Spanish trial. Now, this is super, super interesting, right? So it's 15,000 participants over a period of 10 years. And they studied their diet. So they didn't do any dietary intervention because actually, that's the thing, right? With nutrition studies, it's actually really quite hard to prove that the intervention that you've made is the causation and not just correlation, right? Because I know, because I get people to log their food, everyone misreports, every single person misreports either purposefully or subconsciously. So it's very hard to say that we made this dietary intervention. People definitely stuck to it and it caused this outcome, but. Over a period of 10 years and 15,000 people, that's quite compelling. It's a good sample size. They found that the people with the highest nutrient density in their diet had the least incidences of depression, anxiety, suicide, like all of these, uh, lots of mental health issues from a range on a scale from milder symptoms, right? Up to your thoughts and things. And it was mostly reduced in the people who had higher nutrient dense diets. So those were just two really interesting studies that I've looked into. And also things like IBS, right? So irritable bowel syndrome, which is what we call a kind of, it's a diagnosis due to absence of anything else, right? So if you go to your doctor and you're having symptoms, which are bloating, gas, diarrhea, constipation, soreness in your stomach. If they can't find any evidence of actual structural faults in your colon or actual disease or something in your colon, that's the diagnosis they give because there's clearly stuff going on, but they don't really see any clinical or medical reason why you're getting these symptoms. People started to take a slightly different approach or a set of doctors. I can't even remember what country it's in now. But some people have started to use CBT, Cognitive Behavioural Therapy, to treat IBS with loads of success, right? Because if you've got stuff going on in your gut, it's affecting your brain and vice versa, right? So if you're feeling sad, you've got anxiety, you've got full-on depression rather than just being sad. Anxiety, panic attacks, hypervigilance is something that I suffered from for quite a long time all of those things affect your gut as well so if you think about when people say oh my gut feeling is this or I felt stressed and I felt something in my stomach butterflies and all that kind of stuff it's an actual real thing there's a physiological reason for it so yeah I thought that was super interesting that people have managed to cure IBS by using cognitive behavioral therapy which is a talking therapy right no medical intervention no cutting out of foods although clearly improvement in diet is something that's needed with ibs so based on that i bet what you really want to know the juicy stuff is what foods do i eat then to make my bacteria happy in my gut so that my brain is healthier so the number one thing is fiber so eat lots of fiber okay at least 30 grams of fiber per day people should be eating more if possible high fiber foods everything whole meal Beans, pulses, even things like berries, are surprisingly high in fiber for the amount of calories and stuff. So high fiber foods, resistant starch. So resistant starch, even though we don't digest it, like our gut bacteria love that shit. That's their favorite food. That's their steak, right? They're like, whoa, resistant starch we're in. Okay. We're feasting on this. Resistant starch is basically carbohydrates that have been cooked and then cooled. So if you think about potato salad, sushi, where the rice has been cooked and then cooled, cooked and cooled potatoes, rice, pasta salad, all that kind of thing. That's got a load of resistant starch in it, and that's really good your gut bacteria they love it basically they love the stuff so those two things are really good in terms of feeding your gut bacteria but then there are other foods that have compounds in them that help with the production of these compounds in your stomach the serotonin the acetylcholine all that kind of stuff oily fish this is terrible admission for a nutritionist i hate fish I know I'm supposed to love it. I don't hate it. I don't mind a little bit of white fish and I don't mind a nice tuna steak. But apart from that, fishy fish, I know that makes me sound like a dick. Fishy fish, I can't eat it. So I take an omega-3 supplement and there's so much research around omega-3 supplementation that basically everyone should be taking it. A recommended daily amount is... Normally about three grams, right? Three 1,000 milligram capsules. I take double that. I take six grams. And actually there are some studies done in older generation that show that up to 15 grams of fish oil can be preventative for Alzheimer's. There's still some work that needs to be done around that. There's not loads and loads of information, but early indication is a lot of fish oil is a very good thing to have for your brain health. So oily fish, dark leafy green vegetables. So spinach, kale, like the tops of beetroots, that kind of thing. They're also super good. Nuts and seeds, which all contain like really good, again, omega-3 and different fatty acids. So they're super good. Berries. So dark berries, like strawberries, raspberries, blackberries, blueberries, all that kind of stuff, that's super good for you and spices. So stuff like turmeric, black pepper, chili, all of that kind of stuff, right? So all really nice stuff basically. And I was chatting to a client this morning about smoothies and I was saying that I was quite pleased because the smoothie that I have is basically like a brain food powerhouse. So I have like almond milk in it and not cause I don't eat dairy, but basically just because it's less calories and I can put more nice flavored shit in it. If I just have that instead of milk. And then I put in protein powder. I put loads and loads of frozen berries. You can also buy spinach frozen. It comes in little cubes. I whack a couple of those in there as well. And then some pecan nuts. So I've got all of the berries, the leafy veg, the pecan nuts. Obviously, I don't put oily fish in my smoothie because that would be fucking odd. But I do take my omega-3 as well. So that was a bit different to what I normally talk about because I thought I am actually a nutritionist. So maybe I ought to talk about food and good foods to eat and stuff. I'm a little bit loath to do it because I don't like this kind of superfoods. And this is a special food that you should eat loads of. And... Because there's no one food that suddenly makes you inherently healthy, right? The same as there's no one food that if you eat it once in a while, it makes you unhealthy, right? It's the cumulative effect of your choices over time. So there's no such thing as superfoods, right? I know that a lot of people are like blueberries are superfoods and whatever, and they are really good for you. But if you have a really shit diet all week and then you think oh, Saturday morning oh my god what did Haley say about having a healthy brain shit put all this stuff in a smoothie drink that and then forget about it for two weeks it's not suddenly going to make your brain really healthy so it's about being consistent with all of these things <laughs>